Today we celebrate the feast of the martyr St. Thomas of Becket. And because it's an optional memorial and because this is uh, within the octave of Christmas, there's no, the martyr colors are not worn. We do the Christmas colors and uh, the only the only indication actually that she would know that it was a feast of the martyr is is that the collect, the opening prayer, is supposed to be his. But I actually I, I, I made a mistake and I didn't do it. But but that would be that would have been the only indication that the feast day uh, was was to be dedicated to Thomas of Becket. Thomas of Becket is a very uh, important martyr in the Middle Ages. His tomb was the third most popular pilgrimage site in all of Christendom. Probably, I, I don't know, but probably behind, I would think, the Holy Sepulchre. And then, I don't know what the second most uh, popular pilgrimage site was. But his was the third. Okay, And does anybody can remember back in, you know, when you took your English class in high school, learning about Chaucer's Canterbury Tales? Yeah. So, the whole Canterbury Tales are set uh, within the context of a pilgrimage to Thomas Beckett's tomb. Very, very popular pilgrimage site. And it was so primarily because of the miracles that took place there. So as soon as he was martyred, um, miracles started to take place. He uh, he was the Bishop of Canterbury, which is the main Episcopal see in England. And he the antagonist in his story is King Henry II. Uh, and this was in the, in the 1100s, in the 12th century. Um, Basically, King Henry II thought that when he came, you know, when the, the former bishop of Canterbury died, you know, they needed to appoint a new bishop, and he thought, well, and the kings at that time had a lot of say in what bishop was going to be appointed where. So um, he said, well, I'm going to appoint Thomas of Becket, because he had known Thomas from when he was a deacon, and, and he, he, he thought he was kind of, um, you know, kind of an easygoing guy and that King Henry II could basically just do whatever he was going to want. And and this guy, as bishop, was not going to thwart him or oppose him or preach against him or, you know, it was that kind of a thing. And uh, Thomas the Becket actually had given King Henry II really good reason to believe that that was his character. But something incredible happened because when he was ordained a bishop, he really had a conversion and he really ch- he changed his ways and he went from being a lax cleric to being a very a responsible and zealous pastor of souls. And um, so he, he had to oppose Henry II on some very important issues that had having to do with the rights of the church and the authority of the pope over against the king's authority. And that's what ended up, ended up uh, getting him killed. Uh, but in any event... His his death was very very gruesome and and uh, very graphic and you know I don't want, I won't, I won't I'll spare you the details but um, he was buried right there in the cathedral in Canterbury and pretty much immediately all of these miracles of healing started to take place around his tomb and he was canonized very quickly which was rare at that time to, to canonize someone quickly usually it would have been a longer process. Um, and, you know, the canonization process is based on miracles that take place. That's primarily what it is after their death. It doesn't matter what they do when they're alive, really. Because what we're trying to discern in the canonization process is whether or not this person is in heaven and is in a position to intercede for us. If they're not in heaven, 
there's no use praying to them. Okay? Uh, but if miracles are taking place, when you invoke that saint, then you can know that they're in heaven. Okay? So that's, that's why the miracles taking place after the death of the, of the, pur- of the purported saint is really important for the canonization process. So it's very interesting that we focus, though, if we notice in this Christmas octave, this Christmas season, we focus on these martyrs. Um, we uh, right after Christmas Day, we celebrate the, the feast of the martyrdom of Saint Stephen, who's the first Christian martyr. And then yesterday it was the feast of the Holy Innocents, who are martyrs in a certain sense. All the babies that were killed in connection with Jesus's birth. So, you know, you want to say, well, what's going on with all this death? We've got this, you know, cute, chubby baby in the manger over here, and the next thing you know, we're celebrating all these people getting killed. What's going on with that, you know? And it's really because the death of these martyrs is not a death in the final and ultimate sense. It's really a birth. So just as we celebrate the birthday of Jesus, it's appropriate to celebrate the birthday of these saints, because they're martyrdoms. That's really their birthday. That's when they're born into eternal life. And we see that Jesus, this, during our, our Christmas season, he, he was born amongst us so that we could be born again, so that we could be born to eternal life. Uh, and we see that in the lives of the, of the martyrs. Thomas the Beckett, he's, you know, in a lot of ways, it's like, well, he's not dead. I mean, he's working miracles more now than he ever did when he was on this earth. So the miracles that take place at the shrines of the martyrs are a testimony that death for the saint is not uh, the, the last word and that they is that it's really their birthday and their entrance into eternal life made possible of course by the birth of Jesus among us.